Hey gorgeous, I hope this episode finds you happy and content, but if you are not feeling that way, guess what? We're talking about finding peace and confidence in your current challenges. Joel Mom is joining me. We're discussing his new book, Connecting the Dots. And Joel says you never want to sacrifice what you could be for what you are right now. I'm Heather Petty. I'm the host of this show, and I want to thank you for joining me on Life Coach BFF Show. Here we go. Hi, Joelle. It's good to see you. Thank you for being on the show today. Yeah, thanks for having me. So excited to talk about your new book, Connecting the Dots. Yeah, I'm excited about it too. I, I've been, uh, you just never know, you know, when you, when you have a new book, it's kind of like having a, a new baby. You never know how the baby's going to come out. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so, yes, I did but, that this past uh, it, fall. It seems to be resonating with people as I've been sharing it around the country. So uh, I think we're I think we're on to something. Yes. Well, the topic definitely resonates with me, and I know it will our listeners. So why did you decide to write this book? Well, we had a season of life a few years back that was crazy. Uh, we ended up moving to Mexico, and it, we we really, I mean, I, I you know felt like God gave us this direction and we thought we were serving him and following him. And, and just, it was the worst possible year of my life uh, up to that point. And I remember as a year later, we had been in Mexico and they ended up closing the ministry down that we were supposed to go down and keep running. And I remember thinking, what a failure, like this whole season was a waste of my young, one of my young years here. You don't get those years back. What a waste. And I've just seen more and more that in life, there are so many times that there are seasons in our life uh, there's, a, there's a joke I tell about a guy that walked out of his front door and he uh, saw a little snail on the ground and he picked it up and looked at it and then he threw it across the yard and went on with his day. Well, a year later, that same guy, he sees a, he hears a knock on his door and he opens the door. There's nobody there, but he looks down and sees this snail and the snail looks up and goes, what was that all about? <laughs> and I think every one of us have a season of life where we felt like that snail, where life or God or whatever just threw us across the yard and it's taken us a year, two years, maybe five years to get back where you started. And you you were doing your best to follow God, but it felt like a setback. And I'm convinced more and more that those seasons that we look back and go, what was that all about? Uh, those that feel like a setback, maybe we want to leave them out of our story. We don't put that on the resume. That's the gap in our resume where we don't tell people about. And like, well, what was this? Well, anyway, let's not talk about that. <laughs> uh, that I believe those seasons are really the defining moments that God uses to prepare us for our future. But we don't see that at the time. Life is lived forward, but it can only be understood looking backwards. Soren Kierkegaard said that. And I'm convinced that God's work in our life, you, most of the time, you don't see it. You don't understand it. You may not even feel him at work, but he's always guiding and leading us. And my, my goal with the book it was a coaching tool I created several years ago for people I do coaching with is to help them see God really has been weaving a thread of purpose into your story. And when you start to see that thread of purpose, first of all, it makes you realize your mission and your message that you're called to share. But it also shows you, man, God really was working all things together for good. But you have to look back to see that. Yes, absolutely. And I mean, I have a t-shirt that says, don't look back. You're not going that way. Mm -hmm. But I do think that you have to look back sometimes and reflect on what, what was working. What did you learn from that to understand where you are going? 
Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, uh, you know, Paul says that I press on toward the high calling, but there's also this element of sometimes you need a little bit of assurance <laughs> that God's with you. And the best way to do that is to look back and say, wow, he, he brought me this far. And, and I got to believe he didn't bring me this far to ditch me here. He's got greater things ahead. Right. I love the theme of your book, the title of your book. What are the three biggest themes in connecting the dots? Uh, three biggest things. I think first would be what we just already talked about. The fact that God is guiding you all the time. Uh, Psalm 23 says, the Lord is my shepherd. He leads me in paths of righteousness. We all know the Psalm. What's fascinating about that word paths, as you research it more, the Hebrew word path is magol and it has this weird complex meaning that, that something closer to paths made of circles. And I'm convinced that if, if you really kind of think about your life, you find yourself coming back to these certain themes, certain time frames, these certain places over and over again. You're like, this again? I, I didn't think I'd be doing this again, or I didn't <laughs> think I'd be here again, or or wow, they're back in my life. And 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 every time you come back around this circle, it's kind of like this spiral that keeps coming back around. You go, whoa, but God looks different and you look different and you've grown some, hopefully you've matured. And so each time God's pushing you out. So I think that's the first theme is there's this circular pattern to God's work. I'm also convinced that there's a pattern within that spiral that there's about nine stages in every season. And it looks something roughly resembling what we love in all movies and stories. It's this idea that there's a hero that's kind of minding their own business. Life happens. A turning point happens. Courage is required. You have to have a certain level of courage. A guide shows up. You know, Gandalf shows up to help Frodo or Obi-Wan shows up to help uh, Luke. In our, our life, of course, our Holy Spirit is our guide. Jesus says, I'm going to leave you. Holy Spirit is going to guide you in all truth. So we have a guide in every season and the unknown of every season. Then there's a decisive decision point we have to make. Like you just got to go all into the season and decide I'm going to be present. You can't, King Solomon said, you know, don't say why were the former days better than today. It's not wise to ask those things. So you, you got to dive in and be fully present in the season. And there's a series of challenges we face. And in every challenge, uh, you know, life doesn't get easier. We have to get stronger. And we get stronger and we get stronger. And then there's this dark cave. It's a dark night of the soul, John on the cross called it. And, and it's this moment where we kind of go, man, God, did you abandon me? But he didn't. Um, but he, it's this, this kind of this testing where he's like, hey, I want to I show you that you've actually got what it takes. And then you go into this dark cave, you emerge and you've got this, uh, this return home, a journey home. I call it the, the resolution. And then there's this new perspective you've gained. And then at the end of every season, you walk out with this kind of the survival story that becomes somebody else's survival manual. And there's this, you've got this really distinct mission and a distinct message. You've got a problem to solve and a message to share from each season. And I think as you look back at your life, you're going to see five, six, maybe seven of those circles and all of them tie together where you come to this moment where it's like, oh, that's what that was all about. And then my final kind of, I would see the third key point is this, that um, it, it really wasn't for nothing. And, and some of the things in life that we go through, we're just not going to understand them on this, this side of the space-time continuum. But all indications are that when we stand before God, you know, I've often said, when I get to God, I'm getting in front of him, I'm going to ask him a few questions. All indications are that when you actually stand before God, what happens is you drop to your knees, put your face on the ground and go, whoa, true and just were your ways and your judgments. I had no idea what I was talking about. Job says that, you know, right. God shows up. Job's been asking all these questions. Job's friends got all these opinions about why hard times are happening. God shows up and he's like, all right, put on your big boy pants. We're going to start talking. And then Job at the end goes, I didn't know what I was talking about. 
but (laughs) I trust you. Yeah. Right. I'm looking forward to that day. So what are you going to say when you see God, Joel? What are you going to say? Probably nothing. (laughs) (laughs) I'll probably be dropping my mouth open with drool coming out the sides of my (laughs) face. When you look back on your life thus far, do you see a consistent theme or message? I do. Yeah, there's two things. Uh, The two things I just always keep coming back to are perspective um, and wisdom, right? So I've just really felt this call to to lean into wisdom. I say it this way. I want to help people stop unnecessary suffering through wisdom and find meaning in necessary suffering through perspective. Uh, Victor Frankl, Survival of the Holocaust, he said, in some way, suffering ceases to be suffering the moment it finds meaning. And when you've got a perspective that, okay, I don't know what God's up to here, but I know that he's working all things together for my good. I mean, the subtitle of the book is what God is doing when life doesn't make sense. And people have said, how do you know what God's doing? Well, he's made it really clear what he's doing. He's working all things together for good of those who belong to him and are called according to his purpose. Uh, So my goal, my two things, everything I write about is about stopping unnecessary suffering through wisdom. And then that necessary suffering in in Acts, it says, through much suffering, we enter the kingdom of God. I wish it said through much Krispy Kreme donuts, we enter the kingdom, but it says through much suffering. Uh, Me too. Yeah. Wouldn't that be great? Uh, (laughs) Through much Krispy Kreme, we get rolled into the kingdom of God. But uh, it says through suffering. And so there's this suffering that you're just not going to get around. It's part of life, but I believe there's meaning in it. And if you'll have the right perspective, you can see that like Paul says, we rejoice in our suffering for we know that suffering produces endurance, endurance produces character, character produces hope and hope doesn't put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. Whoa, that was wonderful. I could, I want to hear you say that all over again. That was so beautiful. It was so beautiful. Well, I think it's very important, Joelle, that we, and what, what you're doing is sharing your struggles and how you got through those struggles. I think that that's something that we are human. And a lot of times we tend to hide those struggles from other people, but when we open up and we share, that's how we learn. Yeah. I mean, if you think about the, um, the Beatitudes, you know, the classic sermon Jesus gave, there's this, there's this theme through all of them, blessed are the meek, blessed are the poor in spirit, that, that when you're in a vulnerable position and you're willing to kind of acknowledge that vulnerability, there's this blessing that comes in with it. And I don't think it's just a blessing on your own life. I think it's a blessing to others uh, when you're willing to acknowledge, and yeah, I am, I, I, I'm right now, I don't know what's going on. I don't understand all of it. I'm in a weak position right now. But when you share that, it's 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 just amazing how people go, oh, you too? You know, I thought I was the only one here. I thought I was alone in this struggle. And no, we're all facing the same battles. Mm-hmm. We're just not all talking about it. Yeah. We're not talking about it. Does God ever put us in uncomfortable situations on purpose? Oh, yeah. I believe he does. <laughs> I um, do too. <laughs> you know, when I one of the things I talk about in the, one of the chapter, one of the chapters on the dark cave, I talk about how there's certain seasons of life where it just feels like God's super silent. Like you're praying and you're like, God, I'm, I need some, inf- I need some guidance here. And he just seems super silent. And I believe that that is a, that's ultimately a test. And I don't think God's silence is a sign of his disapproval. If you're following him, seeking him, I don't think it's a sign of his disapproval. I think it's, it's the silence that you get from a teacher when it's time to take a test. And she sits in the corner quietly, hands you the test, and she trusts that you've internalized what she's been teaching you. And the teacher, just like God does that for us, he says, all right, 
I'm not going to give you the answers. I'm not going to give you turn by turn instructions. I believe you've internalized what I've been teaching you. This is your chance to go and do this on your own without turn by turn instructions. Again, his goal is to make us strong. And there's these moments where I think he just puts us through these challenges and he says, all right, now I'm going to sit back here because I, I know you've got this. I believe you've got this. My, my, my bro, uh, cousin, he's a teacher. And he says, you know, when I give kids a test, he's like, I know who's going to pass the test beforehand. <laughs> he's like, <laughs> I hand them the test. And he's like, I'm going to be seeing them again. But he's like, some kids, I just like, they're going to make it through this. And I believe God's silence in, that te- in those testing times, it's not a sign of his disapproval. It's a sign of his confidence that you've internalized what he's been teaching you. A.W. Tozer, he says that. He says that. Uh, it's doubtful whether God can use a person greatly before he's wounded them deeply. And then he basically goes on to say, are you willing to pass that test of those moments when God puts you through these challenging times and he seems silent? Are you willing to go to that test? Because if you pass that test, he's like, you're going to the next level. I'm roughly paraphrasing the quote, but it's one of my favorites. It's in the book. So I, I believe he puts us through those. And it's it's a, a lot, oftentimes, what I've seen oftentimes, it's a test of of his silence or it's a test of, someone betraying you or hurting you and you have to walk through the steps of forgiveness. I mean, forgiveness is the foundation of what we believe is. I mean, our whole faith and hope is built on forgiveness, his forgiveness. And oftentimes it's a, it's a, are you willing to get through this with forgiveness? And that's what elevates you to the next level. Yeah. And fear, I mean, sometimes fear can really take over. How, how do you overcome fear when you're called to step into something new? Yeah. So fear you know, I, I wrote a whole book on fear. My whole last book was on fear. Um, and fear is not something that we like to acknowledge a lot. Um, I think we call it, you know, I'm just being cautious or I'm just a little worried. <laughs> yeah, it's all fear, anxiety, fear. whatever. <laughs> yeah, whatever you want to call it. Um, but what I've found with fear is it never goes away completely. If it does go away, you probably have a mental illness, honestly, because fear is a natural response we have. It's a human thing. Like when sin entered the world, fear showed up, Right. But it, I don't think you'll ever be fearless, but you can fear less. And the way you fear less is it's, I mean, it's a number one principle of counseling. The only way you beat things you fear is by exposing yourself to the thing you fear in small doses. It's like, a, you know, as a kid, when you got your inoculations, they were literally shooting your baby full of the thing that could potentially kill them. But it's a small enough dose where your body builds resistance to it. And that's what happens with fear. You're never going to get over it by hiding away from the thing you fear. You literally have to face the thing you fear in small doses, believing that God is going to, to, to strengthen you through. He's going to carry you through it. And and sometimes it, it, fear is irrational. I've had a lot of irrational fear. And, and people tell me, just look at the facts, man. That'll never happen. I'm like, I, look, facts don't help my irrational fear because it's not <laughs> rational. <laughs> so, so what you have to do is you have to recognize there's something stronger. Fear is a very strong emotion, but there's one thing that's stronger than fear. And, and if uh, the apostle Paul, uh, he says, I think it's Paul or Peter. He says, there is no fear. It's Peter, I think. He says, there's no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. So when you recognize that nothing can separate you from the love of God, neither height nor depth, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor power, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing, will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. When you focus on that love, that is what can drive out that irrational fear. And uh, it seems so ethereal, but it's really trench warfare because it takes taking captive every thought every day. But man, what could happen to my kids today? Look at this world my kids are being raised in. This is insane. I don't think I have what it takes to prepare them for this. And you go, oh, I'm not going to be afraid here. I'm going to believe that God, he's going to give me everything I need to parent these kids. And he brought these kids into this world for such a time as this. And you just, 
step forward one step at a time with confidence that God's going to sustain you every step. And fear doesn't go away, but you can fear less. Yeah, I love that. Fear less. And I love acronyms. Fear, forget everything and run, or you can face everything and rise. And I love yes. I love that. You just have to face it head on, don't you? Yeah. I mean, faith, faith, the thing is that faith and fear aren't aren't really opposites. They're the same thing. It's just what fear is just faith that every the worst possible thing's gonna happen. Mm -hmm. Um it's just belief. It's like, what are you believing in? And faith is saying, I believe that. God is with me and he's walking through me in, in the middle of this. Yeah. Joshua 1, 9, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Favorite verse. Okay. How do we discern? I, I, I can't wait to hear what you have to say about this. How do we discern the voice of God? Yeah. So, you know, what's tricky about that is we live in a world right now that so much says, listen to your heart. And Jeremiah, he he's pretty clear about that in the Bible. He says, you know, your heart, it'll lead you astray. He says, it, it's deceitfully wicked. But yet there is this element of truth to it because it says when, when we accept Christ, it says the same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead comes and lives in us. So what I what I talk about specifically in the in the chapter on the guide is how I'm convinced that the, our guide speaks through like 3.5 ways. And I say 0.5 for a reason. The first is he's always going to speak through his word. The word of God, the Bible is the gold standard. Like anything you ever hear God saying to do, I said, is, is going to line up with what the Bible says. The second thing is, um, I believe that God speaks through leaders and people in our life. Uh, specifically when you're submitted to authorities in your life, there's a safety that comes with submission. I don't, I don't like submission. I don't know anybody that does, but there's a safety that comes with it. When you're trusting that God is leading that that person that that you've submitted yourself under, whether it's a, a boss or whether it's a pastor or whether it's a spouse. And so he'll speak through leaders in our life and through people in our life that are well grounded. And um, you know, you've got a good friend when it says wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. You know, you've got a good friend when they're willing to tell you what not what you want to hear, but what you need to hear. Uh and so but but those people will always what they share will always line up with the Bible. So it's a hierarchy, right? The Bible then people. And then I believe there's that truly is that inner voice, that spirit of God that speaks to us, but it's always going to line up with what people and authorities in your life are saying and what the word of God is saying. If you're just going with that inner voice, you can literally be led into some serious problems. Cause I've met some people that were just, they were sincere, but they were sincerely wrong. Like, did you check with anybody before you did that? No, no. I just knew the Lord was telling me to do it. I'm like, I'm not so sure about that. Then I th that point five way is I, sometimes it's circumstances, right? Sometimes circumstances line up and other times you got to move in spite of like far than optimal circumstances. So I think sometimes God will allow circumstances to line up, but sometimes you have to move forward in what seems like not an optimal circumstance. But if you line up those four, it's kind of like lining up a, a, you know, like a rifle or something. If the, if the, all the, the dots are lined up, right you're probably going to be on track with what the Lord wants for you um, as you're seeking him. He speaks through the word, speaks through authorities and people in our life. Um, sometimes that's books. For me, I, I can't tell you how many times God's plopped a book right in my path right at the time I needed what the truth that was in that book. Mm -hmm. um, and then you've got that inner voice that will confirm. It should. I don't think it should be the guide, but I think it should confirm what all those other voices are saying and then circumstances. So, yeah. Mm hmm. hmm. Yeah, I agree with you. Sometimes it just lines up and you just know. Yeah. 
you just know. What are your thoughts on discontentment, holy discontentment, and why do you think it's important? That's something in the something people are really intrigued by that because I get asked <laughs> that on every interview. That's really interesting. Um, so holy discontentment, there's a verse in Second Corinthians five where Paul says this. He says, Look, if we're in our minds, if we're in our if you if we're out of our minds, it's it's for you. If we're in our right minds, it's because Christ's love compels us. That word compels is a fascinating word. Suneco is the word. It's a Greek word. And if you translate, some translations say Christ's love con, um, constrains us. And you go, wait, compels means to like push forward. Constrains means to like not to keep you from going anywhere. I'm like, well, which one is it? The word has this figure of sense of like wrapping your hands around something and squeezing it like a tube of toothpaste. And Paul, that's why how he describes Christ's love working in us. He comes around us with his love. And then he's like, I love you so much. I'm going to squeeze you to become all you can be. And I think that I've talked to people at the, I've talked to CEOs that are at the top of their game. If you look at them, they've arrived, right? Everybody be like, they've arrived, man. They've got the family. They've got the job. They've got the prestige. But I talk to them and they say, you know, Joel, I've got a great job, great life, great family, but I know there's more in me than this. I know there's still parts of me that aren't being tapped. I've talked to drug addicts who have hit rock bottom and they say that every time they shoot up, they go, I know I'm better than this. When Christ's love is in you, there is something pushing you forward saying you have got more in you because Christ's love is expansive. It's always pushing you outward. And I believe that that feeling of, I know there's more in me than this, that holy discontentment, uh, you know, godliness with contentment is great gain. There's there's an important element of being content with, with the way things are, with what God's given you. But there's always going to be this, his love is going to be pushing you out to this holy discontentment where you're going, I know there's still more. And, and you never want to sacrifice what you could be for what you are right now. And that's what I believe holy discontentment is, is his love pushing us to be all he knows we can be. Mm-hmm. Well, I have to tell you about seven years ago, I just prayed. I found myself in a situation like what you've described earlier in our conversation. And I just prayed, I said, Lord, just use me because I know that when you, when you serve others, then it takes, it reflects the pain from you and, and turns it into something positive. And so I did, I prayed that and Joel, he started squeezing me and squeezing <laughs> me. So, so, so it can get uncomfortable sometimes. That's my whole point. It can, it can get uncomfortable. Yeah. And, and I, what I think is interesting about that verse too, he says, some people say we're out of our minds. Sometimes what God asks you to do, people look at you and go, are you out of your mind? People like <laughs> you don't do stuff like that. Like, you know, you got all these kids, you shouldn't be doing that or, you know, but I know there's more. And, and it's, it's funny that he compares it to people saying, like he says it in the context of people saying, you're out of your mind, Paul. Like, yeah, sometimes what he asks you to do will make you look out of your mind to those around you. So true. So true. What role does perspective play in finding our message? Well, it's again that when you look back, you're going to see that God has been guiding you and leading you. And when you've got that perspective, I, I know for me, um, I was in a season just last year. Of course, the book was already written at that point. So I had to preach to myself from my own book. But I'm like, what is happening here? Why is everything taking so long? I was working on this huge project. It's just everything it was, it was roadblock after roadblock after roadblock. And right in the middle of that, I found out I had melanoma, cancer, right? And I was like, God, like, what is this? How does this fit into the big picture? And I'm 
I'm starting to see glimpses of how it all fit in the picture. Uh, the melanomas, you know, in remission and all that. But you have to, I think the key with perspective is you have to recognize, like, if when you can see that God's been leading you up to this point, when the hard season hits, because there's always going to be, every season has a hard stage to it. When that hard stage hits, you have to go, okay, God, the question not here isn't why is this happening to me? The better question is, how am I going to respond? And and can I respond in faith that this is just like that last time you brought me through? I'm going to learn something on the other side of this that's going to be really important for my future. But I got to stay in faith. And I think perspective is saying, I know that this this little microcosm of my life right now isn't the big picture. There's something bigger he's working on. So I'm going to stay as focused as I can. That was my goal with this with this book. I've got this little chart in there with this kind of the nine stages. And I say, my goal is for you to look at right now, what stage are you in in the season and kind of have an expectation of what's ahead and what you can expect right now, but also know that there's brighter days ahead. Right? Something's going to change. So perspective is, I think, of course, that's my one of my life messages. So mm-hmm. I think it's I think it's ultimately the key is keeping your vision lifted, knowing that God really is working all things together for the good of those who love him. Yeah. And the sun is going to come out. Eventually the sun will come back out. If you can just stay focused on that. When we suffer well and show people that our hope isn't in what we have, what we own, when we suffer well, it's literally like this living sacrifice to the world of saying, okay, they're going through the same thing they're going I'm going through, but why do they got so much hope and how do they have so much peace and confidence in the middle of this? It's this, it's this sense that as we surrender ourselves to God's will in our life, there's going to be some suffering that comes up. But when we suffer well, knowing he's with us, it's this tangible example to the world around us that there's something bigger to hope in. That's what I think is what that, when you're telling your story and people are watching you live through that suffering and that story, that's how you become this living sacrifice. Mm-hmm. That's why some people make suffering look so much easier than others. I think I had a friend last summer who battled cancer and it was serious. It was very serious. And she had surgery and on her leg, it was and had a tumor removed, but she came through and she truly gave the glory to God. And she wore fun t-shirts and fun wigs and she just suffered. She suffered publicly and she just, I told her, I said, you made cancer look fun. <laughs> so what would you say to someone who is trying to forget a traumatic or painful part of their story? I would say the goal isn't to forget it. The goal is to transform it. Um, what, what we don't transform, we transfer, right? And so there's this pain. And one of the things we do in counseling that's super important is if you have something that's just haunting you, one of the best things you can do is literally write down from start to finish everything that happened to you, which little insider secret, that's what I did in this book. <laughs> I was trying to figure out this season. A guy just told me this morning, he's like, hey, I just finished your book. He's like, you were writing that to yourself. I'm like, you got that right, buddy. I was writing that to myself because you got you to gotta look back. And as you write out the story, you begin to see the points where you go, oh man, now I look back and see God did that. So I think one of the best things, and this is where journaling is so powerful. And a lot of people, I'm not a very good writer. I don't consider myself that great of a writer either. But even if it's just bullet points, where you're just going, man, this happened, and then this happened, and then this happened. As you process that, the the, the important stuff will kind of bubble to the surface, and the stuff that wasn't that important will kind of like draw, so kind of fade away. And you'll start to see, oh, these were those key moments where God was working in that. So I would say for people, if you're trying to forget it, 
you're never going to forget it, right? Um, one of the things I talk about in the book is you never can like forgive and forget. That's impossible. You forgive and choose to remember with forgiveness. So when the memory comes back up, if you've got this grace of seeing God had worked, was working in the situation, you can remember it with with peace rather than this tormenting feeling. But it takes, sometimes you got to revisit it. And I would not recommend, if it's very traumatic, I wouldn't recommend doing that alone. Get with a counselor or a coach, a, a pastor that knows the power of kind of revisiting those things, but doing a redemptive, not just so you can wallow in the pain of it, but so that you can look at it. Again, it's that look at the thing you fear, face it, and then you come out on the other side of it and it doesn't have a hold on you anymore because you faced the thing you feared, the thing you didn't want to look at. But not only does it not have a hold on you, it's got a whole new take, a new perspective where you go, ah, wow, this is something God was using to prepare me to be a warrior for this cause or, for, or to speak this truth to other people. Wow. Thank you so much. I could just listen to you all day. You're, you are so positive and encouraging and that's exactly what we all need. Would you mind holding your book up again so we yep. can see and connecting the dots by Joelle mom and go buy this book. I can't wait to get a copy of your book. Thank you so much for your time and for being on the show. How can our listeners connect with you? Yeah. So joellemalm.com has everything there. Um, I've also written a ton of version devotionals. So if you go to the version Bible app and you just type in my name, Joelle Malm, there's going to be, there's two for connecting the dots, maybe three eventually that'll be up there. So if you want to get, kind of dip your toe in some of the concepts, those will be available. Um, I've got those. And then my dad and I do a podcast, but joellemalm.com has access to all that for you. J-O-E-L-M-A-L-M.com. Perfect. And what's your next big project? Uh, well, I'm building a retreat center right now here in Kerrville for pastors and missionaries. I've got two of the four cottages done. Been building those by hand, actually. Ooh. So it's been interesting. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then I'm working on a new book. Uh, actually, I got two new books I'm working on and um, see what the Lord has next. Sounds good to me. Thank you so much. Thank you for your time. Thank you. Wow, Joel was incredible. I know that you agree. Please don't forget to follow along and review the show. If you enjoyed the show, that's the best way that you can say thank you to me and to our guest. So I appreciate you being here. You have so many listening options. I do not take that for granted. I love you. Jesus loves you even more. And we will get together again soon. You've been listening to Life Coach BFF Show with your BFF, Heather Petty.